Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. I hope everybody had a great day today. It's still going on in California, but for some of you on the East Coast, it's already evening. Hope you guys all had a great day. I had a great day. Got to work in my yard and do some different things and uh, before the heat hit and got some other stuff accomplished. Created some more content. Did my radio thing. And here I am. All right. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the host of the Cal... I'm sorry. I'm also the owner. That's <laughs> going to be one of those nights. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you have a paranormal need or you think you have a paranormal need, we can reach you. I have people in almost every county in the state. So, uh, you know, if it's a case where you're farther away, we can get to you no matter where you're at. So uh, look us up at CaliforniaHaunts.org, CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, California Haunts on Facebook. Look at my profile on public on Facebook. There's all kinds of ways to find us and ask us for help. Sometimes we can do it over the phone as well. Anyway, I want to welcome everybody tonight. We got some we got a great guest tonight. I love talking about cryptids. I love talking about weird things like Sasquatch and and weird flying birds and things you know that that, that you have that people have nightmares about. It's fun. It's fun to talk about these things. And do they exist? I think they exist. I think it's possible for anything when you look at even. California and let me move this over a little bit. Okay, when you look at maybe California and you know all the woods out here, you look at Michigan and all these different places that have woods and you know you know outlying areas. There's just a lot out there, and and that's why I believe something could exist. You know, something could exist that we don't know about, like even the lakes, like at Loch Ness, right? So I I believe in all that stuff, and I I think it's 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 something everyone should believe in. If you're watching from YouTube, please subscribe. There's a little uh, box, a uh, little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. That's our California Haunts mascot. And we've got more than 270 videos over there for you to peruse through. And they're not all paranormal topics. They're varying topics where we even handle uh, spousal abuse and things like that. So I think there's a little bit of something for everybody, even the kids. Even the kids. All right? If you're watching from uh, Facebook, please follow. And if you're watching from Twitch, please hit that follow button. We're always looking for followers, and uh, we love y'all. I love every one of you guys. You guys have uh, really, really helped me out and given me, you know, donations and and uh, and follow, you know, following following the show from the beginning and all that good stuff, you know. And if while you're watching this too, okay, if you like what you see while you're watching it, because I always ask you at the end to share share with five people well while you're watching the show if you like what you see share it while you're watching the show you know because we're, we're always looking for extra viewers so so share it while while, you, while you're watching the show itself too the more the merrier right so you know the more you share the bigger the chat room and the bigger the audience and all that good stuff so please do that please share and if and if you're watching the teaser from tiktok Share over at TikTok too, you know, because we do have a bunch of stuff over at TikTok as well. Anyway, my guest tonight, I'm going to try to adjust this. 
this thing doesn't fit this particular mic setup. So I have to uh, move it around a little bit. Um, my particular, my, my guest tonight, Eric Mintel, I hope, I hope I'm saying his name right, is a concert jazz pianist. He has a quartet. Well, I can let him tell you about him easier than I can. But not only does he do that, but his interest is in cryptids, ghosts, and other paranormal features. So it's going to be fun to talk to him and, and, and see what he says, because he's been some on some very interesting investigations. So without further ado, I'm going to let him tell you about himself, because it's easier if it goes that way. Eric Mintel. Hey, Charlotte, how are you? Good, how are you? I hope I didn't botch your last name. No, you said it perfectly. Better than most. <laughs> I'm good at botching people's last names. I'm so excited yeah. to have you on. Well, I'm excited to be here because you know what? I, you know, you just said it. I, uh, I've loved the paranormal since I've been a kid. And, uh, you know, it, it really sprung up from a very young age. I'm from out here on the East Coast. So I'm out here in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, which if some of your viewers are familiar, I am about, I would say about 60 miles northeast of Philadelphia uh, and maybe about an hour and a half uh, south of New York City. So we're in a really beautiful area out here. It's almost like the California of the East Coast um, in this particular area. But we've got a lot of really great history here and uh, uh, a lot of, you know, history and a lot of paranormal history, too. Well, as I told everybody, you're also a jazz musician. Yes. Yeah, I, I fabulous. I, uh, thank you. I um, yeah, I've been playing now since I've been. Well, I, I, my parents could always find me at the piano when I was three or four years old. And that just led and I'm an only child. So I pretty much we didn't have a lot growing up. But uh, we always had a piano in the house and it was it was sort of in almost in tune sometimes. So <laughs> but uh, but it was great sitting there and creating. And uh, and then when I was around 14, I my love of music then went to finding a record of California jazz pianist Dave Brubeck, who was uh, born and raised in uh, in Stockton, uh, Stockton, California. His father owned like a forty five thousand acre cattle ranch there but i found a dave brubeck quartet record and i put this record on and i just had you know when you have a connection with something and you have this immediate uh connection with it and i put the record on and i knew that's the kind of music i wanted to play even though at the time i didn't know it was called jazz but mm -hmm. that's i knew that's what i wanted to play and uh and that's just led you know that was just the last almost 40 years now um you know in 1982 uh, is when I found Dave Brubeck, and in 93, I started my own jazz quartet, and we've been playing ever since. Uh, you know, different players had come in and out of the band, but the guys mm -hmm. that are with me now uh, were about, I guess, they've been with me almost 20 years now. And uh, yeah. to have a band, to have a jazz band together for 20 years, that says a lot. We've That's been something. long, we've, we've been together longer than most marriages. <laughs> that is something. And you played at the White House, right? Yes, we played... Uh, in 1998, I, I played for uh, President Clinton. And the idea, how we got into there was just real quick for your viewer, for your yeah. listeners. We had, uh, you know, I wanted to take jazz to another level. You know, I didn't want to just, you know, stay to the jazz club circuit. I wanted to kind of go to, to a different level and play, you know, and try to see what we could do with jazz 
in a positive uh, art form, like in a positive way. Mm -hmm. So my idea was calling the White House and saying, do you have any programs where we could, you know, play for troops overseas or maybe for the homeless or something like that, using music and using jazz as a positive outlet? Um, so about a week later, and I had sent the White House uh, a CD I had at the time and some very loose press clippings of a, of a couple of stories that had been done, just threw them in an envelope and just sent it off not thinking that I'd ever, you know, hear anything. Well, about a week and a half later, I get it. I get a call on my answering machine. I was on the road and I checked and they said, uh, this is the White House. We'd like to invite the Eric Mantel Quartet to the White House for Christmas. So we wound up <laughs> we wound up playing a holiday dinner reception for President Clinton. And I think it was the day uh, the day before the Monica Lewinsky thing <laughs> broke. And it was like the the day after, like he had to had to do some kind of bombing somewhere or whatever. But it was just amazing just to be there. And uh, and we got a chance to meet him that night. And, and he came in what, what's called that they took us down to the diplomatic room of the White House. And uh, uh, Clinton, uh, President Clinton walked in and I had said, Mr. President, you and I have a mutual friend in Dave Brubeck. And he had always loved Dave Brubeck as well and had given Dave the National Medal of the Arts Award or something like that just about a year or so prior to that. Um, so that was a really great it was like a surreal you know, situation. Mm -hmm. And then fast forward 13 years later, um, you know, my girlfriend says, you should try to, you should try to get to the white house again. And I'm like, man, that was just a once in a lifetime thing. There's no way that's ever going to happen. She's like, I'll just give them a call. So I just, I happen to have the phone number still in my phone <laughs> and I gave them a call and they said, oh yeah, they knew who I was. And they said, well, what's your availability for December of, uh, 2011. And, uh, so we played for, uh, uh, dinner reception again holiday uh for president obama and uh the first lady and that was really cool and that was cool too because they were huge jazz fans and we went down and again met them in the diplomatic room and i said mr president you and i have a mutual friend in dave brubeck and he's like oh dave brubeck was the very first jazz concert i went to see with my father when i was a kid so he had you know so there was really cool connections there so dave brubeck if for some of your listeners was a jazz icon you know, he passed away in 2012, but he left behind a legacy that was just unbelievable. And for me, as a pianist myself, um, he was just great influence on me. And not only for the music, but for life, he gave me a lot of life lessons and what it really took to be, you know, a working jazz musician, you know, especially in this day and age. And uh, so it's been it's been really good. And we've had some great opportunities and, uh, and we keep performing all over the country and uh still touring and performing and uh, it's funny because you go into the paranormal uh, angle it's like we we play these great halls these great beautiful concert halls and i don't even have to say anything they come up to me and say oh yeah and by the way the place is haunted <laughs> so it's it's amazing it's been just an amazing journey let's talk about your paranormal stuff now you you you've done ghost hunting and you've also looked into cryptids but what what, what cryptids have you looked into well, a couple of things we've we've looked into uh, the Beast of Bray Road, which we're going to talk about. Which I got to tell you what what happened and how and and our encounter of it. And uh, we also investigate Bigfoot in the New Jersey Pine Barrens. Now you'd think Pine Barrens of New Jersey. Wait a minute, that's supposed to be the Jersey Devil that mm -hmm. that everybody's heard about over the years. Um, but there's strong evidence to suggest that. I think, and I don't want to piss any Jerseyites off, but there's, there is a lot of suggestion that 
the Jersey Devil sightings may be misinterpreted as Bigfoot sightings. Okay. And we've gotten a lot of evidence on a lot of our investigations. Um, I'll just backtrack a little bit. In 2016, um, I started what we first called Bucks County Paranormal Investigations. And what we did was the idea was uh, going around and showcasing all these great areas in my area, uh, bed and breakfasts, restaurants, you know, places like, you know, theaters that have had great history and maybe some ghost stories and paranormal history. Because we live, I live right down the road from where Washington crossed the Delaware. So it's some really, really cool buildings here that go back, that really date back to like the 1700s. Mm-hmm. And so inevitably, you've got a lot of that residual energy that's going on. So that was the idea initially. And we started doing videos like that. And at first, you know, to be honest, they were very like tongue in cheek. They were very like a lot of humor involved. And Because I thought, you know, humor is a, is the key ingredient into what we do. Because, you know, we it's a serious subject. Don't get me wrong. But it's always good to have a little bit of humor in that. And I always like to say that our videos are very family friendly. And I think that's why we've been connecting with so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we've done uh, since then now has been really focused on a lot of um, a lot of these different reports that are going on. So uh, I will say that we've <laughs> we have whenever we've been on an investigation, we've been catching so many different things on video. And it's funny because it's either during the investigation, which Sometimes we do during the investigation, but during the post, and I'm sure you know this too, when you look at the footage again, and you're, and I edit everything we do and I put it all together, um, looking at that footage is when you see, oh, wait a minute, there's an orb or there's something else. There's a shadow back there. There's a disembodied voice that we didn't catch when we were there. So all those kind of things are incredible. And then when you look at that and when you see that, you're like, wow, we, ca- we actually got that. So it's really, you know, satisfying to do that. And what happened to us in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, with the Beast of Bray Road is a prime example of of what happened. I mean, we literally had a trifecta of paranormal activity the night of October 3rd last year. When we talk about the Beast of Bray Road, what type of creature are we talking about? Well, this is something that I had heard about and I didn't pay too much attention to it but i had heard about it over the years and basically what the beast of Bray road is supposed to be it's supposed to be an upright canine like a dog man werewolf if you will uh type creature uh standing on two legs sometimes on four legs but mostly on two legs eating roadkill or eating with its two hands so a lot of people have been seeing this over the years um more than we actually realize have seen this um, so that was what we were basically going out to investigate. Um, a really good friend of ours and fan, Ellen Collins, she is, she loves what we do in the, in the paranormal genre. And, uh, she just, she asked me, she said, well, we should do a video on the beast of Bray road. And I said, well, it would be great. I would love to do that. I said, the only thing is it's going to be logistics. How are we going to get out there? And, you know, I'm going to have to edit this thing and it's going to be, it's going to be cost, you know, prohibitive, whatever. And uh, she said, well, let me crunch some numbers. Anyway, she took care of it. And she she was the reason why we were out there. We were able to get this video done. And I'll tell you, I'm so glad we did. We're so grateful for it because uh, I made her executive producer of it. Um, and we've met Lee Hample. We were on the farm of Lee Hample, who 
I don't know if you've gotten a chance to uh, interview him or not. I don't know but, yet, but I'm working on it. But Lee is a phenomenal, phenomenal guy. Him and his brother Fred are just really great people. Um, very down-to-earth people. And uh, Lee had no interest whatsoever in the paranormal, knew nothing about the Beast of Bray Road, nothing, um, until he bought this farm from his mother's estate and uh, started you know, farming hay. <laughs> and then until one of his neighbors said, oh, by the way, that's where the creature lives, on your property. And he's like, what? So he didn't have, he started far, I think he bought the uh, property in 2011 and he didn't start farming there until th 2014. And that's when he had his encounter um, of seeing this creature, red glowing eyes, standing about six, seven feet tall. And it was like right staring him down. So when, with that, when it presented him, itself to him, he has ever since then changed his whole tune about the paranormal. And he's also has thousands upon thousands of pictures uh, that he's got on trail cams of this creature, of this weird mist that has been seen on the property, UFOs, very strange lights going through the forest, um, just really bizarre, bizarre stuff. And... Uh, and, you know, we're talking about interdimensional things. You know, it could could this be a portal type area? Um, you know, 10 years ago, you'd, you if you said something like that, people would think you're crazy. But I think now we're in an we're in a time period now, I think, where we it's people are very more more uh, comfortable to tell their own stories and of their own experiences, because I don't care if you're a CEO of a company you're rich, poor, whatever. Everybody has had some kind of paranormal story or a ghost story. And I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. And uh, when Lee was looking around and doing investigations on his property, he found tracks. I mean, they found five pad, seven toed tracks. So it's very, very, very strange things going on out there. Um, so when we got out there, and this was October 3rd, uh, October 2nd through the 4th uh, of 2021, we had gotten out there and started doing our investigation, met with some witnesses, um, and talked to some people that actually have been doing some investigation and have been seeing this creature. Um, a state worker that we talked to that was, he had remained anonymous, but he had said that he and a coworker had gotten out of the truck to fix a power line and they heard what sounded like a, a growl and a yell, this mm -hmm. low guttural howl. And so it was like amazing. And then we were getting stopped by people just on the street that were just saying, oh, yeah, I think we saw this this big black thing running alongside of our car. Now, this story has been going back. I mean, it's got it's gone back to around 1936 was one of the very first accounts. But then you had a large period of time that it wasn't talked about because I think at that time people were afraid to talk about it because they didn't want to get any ridicule. They didn't want to, you know, they didn't want to seem crazy or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, un until Linda Godfrey really brought it back into the public conscience again. And we really, we really owe her a great deal uh, for the books that she's written and, uh, and putting a face to the creature. And because again, in the early nineties, a lot of reports were coming back of this, people seeing this thing mm -hmm. so um you know it was just amazing what we caught that night how does one go about 
doing this? I mean, you know, are you using trail cams? What, 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 what are you using when you're out in the field doing this stuff? Well, what we, so Lee had trail cams. So the night we went out to, uh, to Elkhorn to uh, investigate, I, I should say, I should backtrack and go the day of the investigation, I had put stake bones in this particular bait area that Lee has had all this activity going on. Uh-huh. So we put uh, stake bones in this area and Lee had his, has his trail cam there ready to go, taking pictures of anything that could be there. So um, put that together and going back, you know, we then we went out of there and we waited for nightfall, but we went back to Lee's farms because he wanted to show us more pictures, mm-hmm. show us more evidence that he's got. But what was going through my mind was, you know, was baiting that area with stake bones a good or bad idea? Because, you know, who knows, you know, who knows what what's going to be out there? And to be honest with you, I was going out there thinking, hey, you know what? We're going to get a great documentary of this of this video. We're going to have some great witnesses that we could talk to. Not ever once thinking that I would actually encounter that creature that night and that we all would. So it was me my team member Dominic Sattel mm-hmm. and Ellen Collins and Ellen's son Scott was on the GoPro. He was on GoPro and he was also on camera filming us. So very, very small, you know, small crew. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of the main things earlier in the day, Scott uh, was on a high, he, he builds high tech drones and mm-hmm. he wears virtual reality glasses for these drones just to get some perspective. So, while we're going down into Lee's field that first time to go bait the area and Lee is showing us all that area, we basically, in, the, in one part of the field, we disappeared off of Scott's screen. So it was like we disappeared. He didn't know where we were. And it was one of these things that's like this is a recurring theme there because mm-hmm. we thought, and Lee has pictures of these portals. There is some kind of portal area down there and you know portals are all over the world so mm-hmm. there's different areas all over the world but this particular area was an area that we had really no idea what was going on but we did find out later that night um and it was just amazing uh but so we go out there we had a camera <laughs> we had no firearms whatsoever we had no weaponry whatsoever all we had was a radio and a flashlight and that was it and you know, that was that was the extent of, of our protection, which was, in hindsight, very bad on my part. I should have had a little bit more wherewithal. And that was my being naive to the situation. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's been, we, we did a follow up and it was a lot. Easy, it was a lot better, but I'll get to that in a sec. But um, but the night we got there, it we thought we'd actually have to scrub the investigation because it looked like it was going to rain because it got really cloudy. It was really overcast. Um, while we were in Lee's barn and after, after Lee showed us the presentation again of his pictures and, and all the evidence that he's got, we said, all right, Lee, thank you for letting us, uh, you know, go out and investigate. And, uh, so we left the barn and went down to the, down to that area. I mean, literally we got down there within five minutes of getting down there. This is around, I want to say around eight 30 and it's, you know, it's October. So it's dark earlier. So it's dark and we had our camera. It's got the night vision on it. Um, but, and people could see this video too. It's on my YouTube channel. It's, it's the beast of Bray road alive and well, uh, that's the first one. And then we did a follow-up as well, but we get down there and Dominic happens to look up and all of a sudden the sky 
completely cleared up over the field. It was just a, you could see the stars. It was clear as bell. So Dominic looks up and says, what the hell is that? And here I look up, I'm like, okay, what the hell is that? And here it's a solid orb of light. It was just a solid white light going over the field. And you could see other planes that were around it. You could see blinking lights of planes. And this thing is just a solid orb going over. So for all intents and purposes, it's a UFO. So it's just going so straight over the field, at high rate of speed. And we're still trying to fi figure out what it is. So Scott was able to get it on video. And we're looking at it, trying to figure it out. It's not a plane. It's not making any sound. And then at the last second, it does a little 45-degree angle, and it disappears. And you could see it just disappear right on the camera. And it was gone. It was just totally gone. So we didn't know what the hell that was. So we were like, that was just the first thing. Mm -hmm. Then right after that, and and I'll, I'll get to my, some theories of after after I tell you this too, but oh my God. So, and I, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it because this is how crazy this was this night. So right after that, we hear, after we see the UFO, we hear in the distance a very faint howl. That was one. Second one, we heard it a little louder. And Dominic goes to Ellen, are you hearing this howl? And Ellen was kind of like looking off to the side. It looked like she was in sort of like a little bit of a trance. Mm -hmm. But she's like, yes, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing this. And with that, the third howl was unbelievable. I mean, it was nothing like I've ever heard before. And it was a, it was like that guttural yell, growl, scream. And to me, you know, it sounded like a man screaming in the field. It was not a wolf. It was not a coyote. It wasn't an owl. It wasn't a fox. Nothing like that. Um, a lot of people were saying it could have been this. It could have been that. It was mm -hmm. definitely not that. I've I've listened. We went over all the different sounds it could be, and it was definitely not any of these sounds, especially not a coyote. Um, so we heard this thing, and it was so loud. We had these little uh, lavalier microphones, great little wireless mics, by the way, uh, by Cinco. But we had these things on. It was so loud, it picked it up on the on the lavalier. And this one, I would say, was no more than 100 yards away. But we couldn't see anything. We just could not see anything. We heard it, but we couldn't see any form. We couldn't see anything. Um, so after that, we look over and we're trying to see if there's any eye shine. And sure enough, Scott shined the light over into the corn. Now, the corn had been up in the field, in the cornfield. Uh, so it was pretty high up. And you could see in the tree line, which is about, I would say, at least six, seven feet tall, you could see eyes or something that was darting around looking at us. It was because what we could also hear was a lot of rustling going on behind us. So that was like very unnerving. And you'd think at this point we'd get the hell out of there. But we okay. kind of still stuck it out for a little bit. Um, and so we still wanted to kind of get a little bit more evidence there. And uh, all of a sudden, the this weird mist for the third trifecta, the, this weird mist started coming up from the field. Now this mist is something that Lee is a recurring theme. And later I found out this mist is also accompanying Bigfoot sightings as well. Um, so this mist started coming up from us in the field and I was like, what is that? And um, so that was the third thing. And then we kept hearing the rustling sounds going on behind us. 
And I'm like, you know what, guys? This is about 25 minutes into it, maybe a half hour. I said, you know what, guys? I think, you know, our safety is probably better than any investigation right now. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to get the hell out of here. And to me, it was telling us to get out. This is my, this is our domain. Get out. And that was the first time I ever had any kind of like really fear type situation. Because I'm not scared. I, I'm ready to go for it. You know, I'm ready to, you know, when it goes, when it comes to the ghost situation and stuff like that, let's go for it. If I need to split up the team, we'll split up the team and try to get the more evidence. But this was something totally different. And it was really something that was like, we really need to get really need to get out of here. Um, so we went back to the barn and uh, we went back to the hotel. And I'll tell you what, we were just trying to we recap the whole night of what happened and what we you know, what we experienced. Mm-hmm. So the the oddest thing is and we still couldn't figure out what it was, but we went to you know, we went to bed. Uh, the oddest thing was the entire town of Elkhorn, the power went out that night, completely out of power. And it was crazy. So uh, I know Ellen had to take her son, Scott, to the airport in the morning. She had to get up at like two o'clock in the morning to a completely you know, dead hotel. It was pitch black, everything. So, um, so then I get a call from Lee in the morning. Uh, we had met for breakfast and he hadn't been down to the field yet, but we met for breakfast, told him what was going on. And then we met, met for breakfast. Then we had to go get, go get our plane to come home. Um, so on the way to, on the, in the airport, he sends me a text and says, Oh, by the way, the trail cams that were down with you, it was like something shut them off at five o'clock that night. And it didn't take another picture until seven o'clock the next morning. So there were no pictures of us at of anything that night of us or anything, which was very odd, very strange. Then uh, back home, he left me a message on my phone and said, and he went down to the bait area and the steak bones are gone. So whether or not, you know, there are some coyotes, but, you know, they could have they could have taken it or the creature could have taken it. We didn't know. Scott's GoPro. He had a, had a GoPro also there on the bait area. And he could not get that thing to hook up for the life of him. And it was just like we were having all these electronic disturbances. Um, when we saw the mist, I also d- discovered that the wireless mics were cutting in and out as we were walking. And so something was messing with that. So that was that was our experience in Elkhorn. And I'll tell you, it was unbelievable. I mean, I was like for months afterward, we're just like trying to figure out what's going on. And then Lee ever since we left has been getting more and more activity there. So it's been just off the charts with activity and he's getting more pictures. He's getting more evidence. So we're really trying to get back out there to do another thorough investigation. Now we did a follow-up in April. We went back out. Thank you to Ellen Collins. Again, we went back out to uh, Elkhorn April 28th through May 1st and did a follow-up investigation uh, the first night we were there, we had a town hall meeting uh, with the town of Elkhorn in the Matheson Memorial Library. This was unbelievable. Over 140 people showed up to tell their story of seeing this creature. So there's something there, you know, and and for Lee, he wants to really take this in a scientific route. And really, he, he's got all of this evidence. He's really kept all that data very pure. And he's got hair samples. He's got uh, the hair samples under under a microscope are translucent. 
So it goes back to the question, could this thing be cloaking itself? Is this why it's not showing up on any trail cams? Is this why people are seeing it and then it's disappearing? It's, you know, it's there and then it's not there. It's super fast. Um, so we, we, and then this particular uh, town hall, I mean, we had some, what really struck me was the, a lot of the reports of the way this thing walks. And it was a, a consistent way of this strange gait that this creature has. So that was number one. And, uh, and the people that were, you know, that we talked to were just, I mean, real genuine down to earth people that want to know what the hell's going on in their town. So it was, uh, it was amazing. So I did part one of our follow-up, which is called the Beast of Bray Road Alive and Well, the follow-up. And that's also on YouTube. I released that a couple of weeks ago. Part two of our follow-up, which, in, which includes the investigation, is coming up in, in the next week or two. Um, and I'm, I'm editing that right now as we speak. So uh, love the editing process. It's like, a, it's like a piece of music. You know, it's writing a composition for me. It's like, you know, it's the, all that, about that tension and release. And this story just writes itself out. I mean, it's amazing. Did you notice, I mean, like with some of those cases, pe people notice an odd smell when the creature is around. Did you guys notice anything like that? You know, no, we didn't. And that was that was odd because uh, Lee had did say that he uh, did have the smell. But what I didn't realize at the time that we were there the first time in October is we were in the bait area. Now, the, uh, the sound that we heard was coming from the wetlands mm -hmm. and the wetlands is about a little more than 100 yards away. It's it's across this field and this field is 35 acres. So it's a huge field. So. It was over there and, you know, we didn't, unless we were down, we, the wind was blowing really bad, you know, that the, this time for the follow-up. But when we were there the first time, we didn't really venture over into the wetlands um, just because of us hearing that creature. And I didn't realize that's where a lot of activity happened as well. But no, we didn't have any kind of smell this time, that time. And this follow-up, we still didn't have anything. But again, it was very windy the second time that we went out there. Mm -hmm. But Lee has gotten smells out in that area. And something maybe you need to clarify for people, too, that don't ghost hunt or do any paranormal investigating is the thing about the equipment not working. Because that that, that happens frequently, right? Oh, all the time. Um, and you've and I'm sure on your investigations, too, you've noticed that your batteries will drain in a, in a, in a crazy high-energy location. Um, and there, that's a phenomena that is just un unbelievable. And how is, how a fully charged battery can immediately just drain in that area. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that happens a lot. Um, a lot of times we'll take a, uh, a magnetometer, which is going to, you know, detect the earth's magnetic, uh, fields and basically fields of magnetic energy or residual energy in any kind of location. Uh, we've taken it out there, uh, on this particular, and I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't do that. But we didn't take that with us this time or and the two times that we were there. Um, and the other thing we didn't have was infrared. I wish we would have had that. But again, this thing is not getting off any kind of heat signature. Right. So that was one of the other things that was really perplexing was that why is Lee not getting any pictures on his trail cams? Because they're infrared trail cams. He should be getting some kind of because they're triggered by heat and movement. So but he's not getting that. But in the ghost investigations yes those those magnetometers will go off the chart and as a matter of fact a couple of times that we've had that happen it's been in a location especially out here 
okay. where we've had ties to the Underground Railroad. And here we'll be in an area, we'll be in a home, and all of a sudden it's like, why is this going off the charts here? And here we'll go into this location and then find, oh, there's a secret stairway. And by the way, there's a tunnel underneath this house. And that's where that activity is coming from. Uh, we did an investigation in, in a place called New Hope, Pennsylvania, at this uh, a bed and breakfast. Um, it goes back to 1720. What gets me about this, this investigation was, and the owners there are great, Carl and Nadine Glassman, they're great people. Um, we, we did the investigation. We're talking to the owner. They bought the house in 1982. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until 1999. He's like looking down at the foundation of his house and wondering, why is, why is the foundation of my house crumbling? What is going on here? So he sticks down a metal pole and hears this clink just down below, about maybe 10 feet down. Sticks a, a flashlight in there and finds an incredible tunnel that's right, has been under his feet that they've been walking over for 17 years and never knew it was there. And it wow. just blew my mind, man. I was like, what? So it was amazing. And it was complete with an escape hatch and everything and has great, great history. And of course they've seen entities in there as well. Um, and that happens frequently in a lot of our locations. Um, and we just recently rebranded to Eric Mintel investigates because we've been going all over the country uh, investigating a lot of these different reports, ghosts, cryptids. Um, we were in, uh, we were in Fitzgerald, Georgia, and we did a, 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 a video on the haunted history of Fitzgerald, Georgia. And what was cool about that was that was the first area in the nation to heal after the North and South, after the civil war, um, they brought the North, the North, uh, South brought the North down uh, to live and to work and to try to heal and, and friendship. And um, so it was a really cool story um, about how this nation healed after the Civil War. And it took place right there in Fitzgerald. But um, we were in a couple of areas down there, which had had a lot of activity, especially in this art center. It's the Carnegie Art Center down there. And we were there um, and about, I think it was about a month prior to us being there, there had been an African art display uh, that was on display there. And in the area that I had just happened to be in was an African warrior statue. Well, this particular artwork, and I'm sure you're probably familiar with this too, this artwork was infused with the spirit of that particular artist or that particular person. So I'm like, wow, with this is definitely, you know, and again, I was, I was not expecting to see or hear anything. Mm -hmm. But again, we put the magnetometer in there and that magnetometer really went off the charts, especially in that area where the where the warrior was. And then an orb presented itself right behind me. And it was, you know, it wasn't a bug. It wasn't a reflection. It just literally came up into the camera lens and it wasn't lens flare or anything like that. And because we, we've had we, we know what lens flare is, but these orbs just present themselves. And it also happened to me while I was uh, interviewing a server at a restaurant. He's telling me his ghost story. And all of a sudden, I see this orb just go straight through. And again, it wasn't a reflection. It wasn't a bug. It wasn't anything like that. But that happens a lot. And that during that interview, it caught my eye. But I didn't really pay too much attention to it until we did the post-production. And there it was. It was amazing. And, uh, and then we got a disembodied voice in that art center of a woman 
but I don't know what it said, but it was definitely a woman's voice. And it was just amazing, just the amazing evidence that we've been catching on video, literally as soon as we start doing the investigation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, you know, people have a thing about orbs, and we've got one that we uh, got at the Wilden Opera House that, uh, that, that I have on the website, because I don't put a lot up there. You know, I'm, I'm a real stickler about what goes up. Sure. But I look at orbs like you do. If there's a particular thing going on in that particular that that area, and it's it happens over and over, and then this orb presents itself, come on, yeah, you know, don't tell me what it, what it isn't. And in this particular um, stairwell, there's supposed to be like a stage director that hangs out there, and yeah. he doesn't like people going up and down the stairs. You know, certain people, especially ghost hunters. And one of my investigators was going up up the stairs, and sure enough, boom, there's this big bright orb up there. I'm no doubt. Yeah. I, I, you know, and I, I, I believe you because I think there is a lot of residual energies of this. And I, I always think of this too, with the ghost situation. Um, if there are, if the place is being haunted and they're, they're seeing orbs, they're seeing entities there. I always think that they're, they like being there. You know, mm -hmm. they liked, they liked being there. You know, Hollywood wants to make it evil. They want to make it like, you know, dishes flow, flying across. Hey, that could happen in some areas. We haven't experienced that yet, and I hope we don't, but we don't really go into the demonic area with anything. But, uh, you know, we do work with spirit mediums, and I'll tell you, they're great to have on your team because they will give you a preview of what's in store. And, you know, when I go into a location, what, and I'm sure you do as well, what we're doing is we're really getting a lot of the history of that location. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll get that history. I'll know about that particular location. But I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to tell them about the history of what's happened there until they get on site and then corroborate what they're feeling to what I know. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, 99% of the time we work with uh, Dominic is a spirit medium, but we also work with Karen Luchin, who is an incredible spirit medium. She's out here on the, on the East Coast, and she's also an author. Um, she has been 99% right on the money with what's gone on in that particular location. And uh, so these these guys are really great to have on our team. Um, and I'll tell you, you know, it's really I mean, and people could check these videos out. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, it's amazing to me what we're capturing and what we're still what's still yet to come, mm -hmm. because we did an investigation of and I talked about it before. Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens, mm -hmm. um, a local Bigfoot researcher down in New Jersey, uh, Eric Spinner. Great guy uh, has been doing a lot of research on Bigfoot in the Pine Barrens for years. Uh, has had a lot of activity and a lot of witnesses saying that they're seeing these very small Bigfoot type creatures in the Pine Barrens. So we're looking at that saying, okay, well, maybe there's a ju maybe there's juvenile Bigfoot down there. You know, there is a, there's families. So maybe this could be a, a juvenile part of the family, you know? Um, so we went down to this area. Now this was a week after we got back from Elkhorn. Mm -hmm. We went down to this area called the bowl in in, in the Pine Barrens. And it's basically what it would be like, how it sounds like a bowl. We, we were, we went about five miles into the Pine Barrens on truck and about, we went and we parked the truck, not a soul around. I mean, it is pitch black, no houses, no nothing around. So you get down there and we went about 600 feet into the woods and set up base camp. And we're talking to Eric and, and Art Mack was his other uh, researcher. We're talking about you know, all of these different techniques that they do, tree knocks and things like that. 
And to be honest, when I see these guys whooping and hollering on the Bigfoot programs, I almost chuckle because I'm like, really? Is that what they're really sounding like? But I'll, I will, I will say I was definitely a believer because I found out that night we're talking to Dominic's talking to art and all of us collectively heard a whoop in the background. And sure enough, man, it was, it was, it was there. So Eric's wife decides to answer it back. And so she's answering it and getting vocalizations back and forth. So they're having a conversation, not once or twice. This is like five or six times. This is going back and forth. It was amazing. And we caught it all on video. And my camera, like Eric had these high powered mics going on. He caught it. He caught it on the mic. Our camera caught it a little bit, but the high powered mics really, really caught it. And then Dominic kept hearing this big rustling sound going behind us. So again, it's, it's frustrating because you don't see it, but you could hear it. Mm-hmm. And so he's hearing this and we're thinking that was like mama coming to go get the baby, you know, and it was just a really amazing night. And again, it was within five minutes of us being down there. So I always say to Dominic, you know, I said, you know, are you like, since he's a spirit medium and maybe he's connected with these things, yeah. you know, maybe they're connecting with him somehow. And when we were in Elkhorn, when we were, um, when we were in Elkhorn and the, and the power went out in the Elkhorn and the hotel was pitch black, I found that I had a stick that I brought back from Lee's property and it was in my room. And I sent it, I look, I said, Dominic, look, look what I brought back. He's like, you brought it back with you, didn't you? <laughs> but it was, it was like, you know, it was, who knows what happened, but it was, it was crazy. Just those two incidents alone were just unbelievable. So, I mean, since then we've been getting a lot of press about that and, uh, and the evidence is there. I mean, it's all real and our reaction to everything is real time. There's no, there's no acting involved, no nothing. We didn't need to, I mean, because it was really just, I mean, it was a frightening situation. What have, what did Dominic pick up, you know, like with the Beast of Bray Road, you know, was he able to connect with it or anything like that? You know, uh, this particular time around, um, it was, it was hard because the corn was all down, by the way. So the corn was gone. Everything was open. It was just an open plain there. And the wind was kicking up big time. So, and it was cold. It was, this is at the end of April. So it was really cold out still. Um, but I will say this though, in that, and people will see it in this, in this next video, mm-hmm. down in the Bay area that we were in, where I think all this portal situation is going on, absolutely dead calm, no wind, no, no nothing, no movement, nothing. So, and there's trees there. I mean, uh, there's trees there that, yeah, you could say could block, but they were all open. They didn't have, they didn't have leaves, no nothing on there. Um, we also went over into the adjoining field where the wetlands were, where we also uh, felt that that's where the sound was coming from. And this time around, we caught, we found tracks. We found square tracks, uh, which was really interesting. And it was just a very weird foot, like foot pattern to it. Um, but there is a video that Lee has, which, I mean, it's just mind blowing where you see these lights going through the woods. And to me, when I first looked at it, me, I, you know, I have to be honest with you, Charlotte, sometimes I go into a lot of these things and I have to look at it some, sometimes skeptically. Right. And I look at it cause I want to look and, and say, okay, what's really going on here? Not saying that I'm skeptic about everything. Uh, But when it comes to the ghost situation, I go into that a little bit more skeptically than I do 
with the cryptids or UFOs. But, um, but I'm becoming, like I said, the more and more I'm doing this now, the more and more I'm becoming more of a believer in that situation because of what we've caught. But in those lights going through the woods, I was like, well, could this be like, you know, all terrain vehicles or ATVs or whatever going through the woods over there? Um, so we went over to those woods and there's no way that there could be any uh, thing going through there, driving through there, just because the woods were so thick. You'd have to stop every second and like try to get around the trees and you couldn't fly drones in there. It was just too dense. So these are smooth, just smooth lights going through the through the woods amazing amazing footage um we caught orbs in the field as well um just really just bizarre stuff so that next video which will give more of our um investigation is coming out in the next uh week or so and that's the beast of bray road the follow-up part two when you talk about the fog as you just as you mentioned the fog like that shows up with bigfoot and like the, the beast of bray road has, has been seen with this fog what do you think this fog is you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, there was there was a picture that Lee showed of the, and I'll get to the fog in a sec, but the, uh, there was like a picture of like an like an orb, like an orb in the daylight that looked like it had the creature in it, like in a cross pattern in this in this orb. It looked like a bubble, like a bubble with the creature in there. And I was thinking, could this, once we saw the UFO that night, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden we heard the howl, could this thing be depositing this creature? Could the UFO be depositing, uh, you know, this creature? And that's what we heard. Uh, as far as the fog goes, could it be something where it's this, you know, this, it's messing with the electronics? Mm -hmm. Because I think that mist has got something to do with the creature itself, because... Lee has a picture of the mist on a trail cam where the mist forms over the over the roadkill deer. And those trail cam pictures are like time 30 seconds apart. The next picture, the mist is gone. And so is the roadkill. Wow. The, and it's a I mean, this is a huge deer. This is like 150 pound deer gone. You know, That's so it's like, what is that? What's going on? So it's a very, it's a very, this is a fascinating subject. And that's why we, we keep talking about it. Um, the paranormal genre is huge. That's why we keep talking about it. Just because I think there's just so much public interest in, in what we do, what you do, what we all do uh -huh. to try to get the, and try to get those answers and going about it in, you know, going about it in a scientific way, uh, trying to get all the facts, trying to get all your research in beforehand and find witnesses and i'll tell you you know a lot of times and i'm sure you do this too you leave these locations with more questions than answers mm -hmm. you know and uh, but at least you get some semblance of heading toward the truth right 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 let's talk about portals because you mentioned you know you think that these things may, may, may be utilizing portals or it's a portal area what makes up a portal you know, for people that don't do what we do what is a portal a portal is an area in like it's a it kind of breaks the fabric of space and time. And it's an area that, you know, for all intents and purposes, you could say is a tear in the atmosphere, you know, and a great example of that is, you know, and this and portals have been around before Stranger Things. But, you know, Stranger Things, I'm sure people have seen that show and the upside down and, 
that's you know they they kind of allude to the fact of like uh, there's a portal but the portal's really the upside down you know it's an alternate universe um so that's the idea behind that but again it's uh it's this area on in certain areas around the world that there's more say you know energy levels are higher there may be some more magnetic energies there uh and these just these weird you there's more ufo sightings in in those areas uh and a lot of creature sightings so could be could these portals be transferring these creatures or these otherworldly beings ufos included in these different areas and then going back into those portals again and that's why we don't see them on a regular basis uh and i think now that you're seeing a lot of people um like i said before being a little bit more uh open-minded to the subject just because of of their own experiences i mean i had a ufo experience back in 2016 which i still can't wrap my head around um my girlfriend and i were going over this bridge from stockton new uh from new uh center bridge pennsylvania into stockton new jersey and it's only about maybe about a half hour from here um going over the delaware again going over the delaware river and in that instant going over the bridge i just happened to look up and out of the corner of my eye i see this all of a sudden five orange plasma balls just appeared and again my skeptical mind is trying to debunk it as i'm looking at this thing i'm saying well, could they be, were they maybe Chinese lanterns, you know, because there's a restaurant right down the road here. Maybe, maybe there was a wedding and they sent off Chinese lanterns or something, or could it be drones or something like that? But there was no wedding. It, it, this was February and it was cold out. And this was at night around like 1030 at night. So I looked and I'm like trying to fumble with my phone to try to get a picture. I was able to get one picture, but, um, and it was it was incredible and then one by one they just petered out one by one and i was able to get one shot and and you could see clearly it was like an orange reddish uh ball and then of course on a lot of these uh, programs this is what a lot of people have been seeing lately mm-hmm. and and john keel uh for you for your listeners that know john keel he was probably one of the first pioneers in the paranormal uh did a lot of research and, and a lot of investigations of the Mothman in in West Virginia, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, but he also talked about the living lights and these paranormal energies that are out there. So could that be what people are seeing? I don't know. Are they craft? I don't know. I didn't see a structured craft, but that's not to say that there wasn't something there. Right, right, right. Now, when we talk, when we look at these um, portals, and they talk about things like the Beast of Bray Road, you talk about things like like Bigfoot. And people have, have mentioned that, you know, where they'll be following the tracks. Yeah. And then the tracks just, boom, disappear. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Same thing. Uh, same thing happened to us. Same thing happened to Lee. Uh, but the weird thing with Lee was this tr- set of tracks that he was following, it went from one set of tracks and then it morphed into two sets going okay. off into different directions. And that was very strange because you've got one thing there and these were not rabbit tracks nothing's going to do that nothing is going to just split off like that mm-hmm. and so he's got that and then they disappeared and then they stopped um we found that is in the field that we were investigating um but we found a lot of these weird square square tracks so i'm also thinking could something be landing in this field mm-hmm. could that be you know part of the uh the landing gear i don't know it didn't have any kind of foot pattern to it. That's what I'm 
I'm trying to say it was more of a just a square, like almost a like an octagon type shape, but not mm-hmm. uh, very like almost pen, like a pentagonal shape. Right. Right. Well, I've always thought, you know, kind of off the cuff, you know, how paranormal, you know, you think about this stuff and you don't want to like tell people because you're afraid they're going to they're going to do a number, you know, laugh at you. Yeah. But I've always had a feeling that, you know, because the alien, if there are aliens out there doing experiments on us, that they've been doing it all this time. And maybe these things that they're seeing, like the Sasquatch, the Beast of Bray Road, you know, some of these dogmen and stuff, maybe these are just the experiments that went wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. I also think, too, you just made a great point with the alien abductions. You know, let's not forget Betty and Barney Hill. They were the very first UFO abduction couple back in 1961. Not only that, they were an interracial couple, and which was taboo back in those days. And they they didn't want their story told. They right. didn't want to tell anybody about this, what happened to them. Um, they had been getting these vivid dreams together, which they didn't realize they were having the same dream until Betty mentioned it to Barney. And then all of a sudden, these crazy memories came back of what actually happened that night. But, uh, you know, you've got the abduction experience. But I was also taking it another le- to another level uh one of the bigfoot researchers that was on the investigation with us in the pine barrens uh, art mac mm-hmm. he made a great point he said well you know like ufos are abducting people and you know doing experiments on them why couldn't it be the same with bigfoot or some of these other cryptids maybe they're doing experiments on them and then when you're seeing this ufo bigfoot connection maybe it's because that they're dropping them off Sure. After after you know after this experiment, so very strange. And you know the Rod the Patterson Gimlin film still mm-hmm. that that was from 1967 of Bigfoot in in your state in California, uh, uh, Bluff Creek, California. I think that was an ab- absolutely genuine th- film. I don't think that was a guy in a suit because they did some new evidence and new analysis on that. There's mm-hmm. no way it could be a guy in a suit. So those guys were there at the right time. Uh, it was amazing, amazing stuff. I think they got lucky too. You know, I, yeah. I agree with that. You know, I just, just the, even the way the thing moves and then it looks, it even looks back at them. Yeah. Like, yeah. like what the hell are you doing? You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, trying to figure out whether it's a gun or what they're holding. Right. You know, right. When they're taking the, the video. And it's it was, a fe- and it was a female, and it was a female too. Yeah. I mean, a lot, a, for years, everybody thought it was a male, but it was clearly a female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's an interesting theory about them being dropped off because we, you know, we don't know how they drop us off either. You know, we find that people find themselves in bed or whatever, but you don't know exactly what the what the process is because I right. mean, the wall might open up and then boom, you're there. You know, we. I think, that. you know, and the abduction experience is, you know, there's been a lot of people that have experienced that, and, you know. Sometimes I, you know, you know, when things get popular, you know, and then you get a lot more people again, look, we've got this culture that we're in where, yes, there's a lot of strange stuff going on. Um, And then people are, yes, they're more comfortable telling their story, but then you've got to sift through each of those stories and really which one is more credible than the other, you know, but in those, in people's minds, look, it, it happened to them. But mm-hmm. I think cases, those landmark cases of these abductions, you know, you've got Betty and Barney Hill, you've mm-hmm. got the Travis Walton story, which mm-hmm. was absolutely amazing. And then you've got Calvin Parker from Pascagoula in 1974 or set in 1973. Right. 
Um, so those three, I would say, are the top three. Uh, of, I mean, these guys are still talking about this stuff to this day of what happened. They have not wavered once from their story. So and, and it's emotionally scarred them, you know, uh, for for life, you know, and they still just don't know what happened to them. Absolutely. You know, it's like it's like anything else. It's like, I, I'm a skeptical as the next guy going in on these things. But when you get report after report after report after report, you have to really take notice of that stuff. Oh, yeah. And when you like right out here in Bucks County, we had a well, in I think it was 2008, we had a, a huge UFO flap and it was from January through July of 2008. And uh, I mean, thousands of reports came in uh, all over Bucks County and beyond. And it made national headlines. It made a TV show. It was a, a documentary came out uh, called UFOs over Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Or it was called UFOs over Earth at the Bucks County UFO flap. And uh, Bill Burns is a good friend of mine from UFO Hunters and Ancient Aliens. Uh, he And he had that show on the History Channel called UFO Hunters. And they did a great uh, uh, investigation on the UFO flap here in Bucks County. And people were seeing the same thing. And... Even a woman said uh, this craft was over her house and it's deposited this like d- uh, like pixie dust sparkly type of, of material on her tree. And the next day, they there was a baby robin's nest in that tree. The next day, that robin was all dried up and shriveled and dead. And it was and it had burned the outer le- the outer parts of the of the leaves. But the inner part, it didn't touch. So it's very, very strange uh, reports, uh, and that's why we do what we do. You know, we 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 try to call, we try to get that truth, and try to get you know closer to what is really going on. Absolutely. So, what's next for you? Well, we've got a couple of different things. We've got an investigation of a home uh, from 1759, and uh, I've known a little bit about the history of it, and it's in a really great area up here in Pennsylvania. Um, the next one after that is we're going to be investigating a haunted church in New Jersey. That's going to be really cool. Um, and then we've got a lot of other things, you know, we've got another follow-up we're going to do on the Bigfoot and the Pine Barrens, uh, investigation. And I know as we get closer to Halloween, uh, we're going to be doing a lot more, uh, video investigations of, of different things all over the country. So we're going to be busy. We're doing a lot of speaking engagements. We're going to be out in, uh, near the Pittsburgh area, speaking in uh, March of 2023 at the Penn, Ohio uh, Paranormal Conference. And um, I just actually recently spoke at the Mutual UFO Network uh, Conference here in the Philadelphia area. And, you know, almost 150 people showed up to hear the story. of, And we did a presentation on the Beast of Bray Road. And it was amazing. It was really amazing. Absolutely. And so, how can people find you? Well, they can find me uh, on Facebook, Eric Mintel Investigates, mm-hmm. um, and also find us on uh, YouTube, same name, Eric Mintel Investigates. Like and subscribe, and uh, we got a lot of great videos on there. We've got over sixty videos on there that are great investigations, um, and just some really cool things that I really encourage people to check out. Um, and again, I do all the editing, so and I do the soundtrack and everything to it, so. It's uh, it's a lot of fun doing that and putting it all together. But, you know, telling those stories is my passion. And we're really like we went from doing these videos to a paranormal tourism business 
because what we're doing is we're really showing people where to go, what to do, and go to experience these wonderful places. Um, because, you know, during COVID, we were thriving doing video because it was like, you know, the, the idea was once this thing's over and we can get out of our houses, people want to go out and check out these places. And that's what we're doing. We're helping drive people to these different locations. So it's been a lot of fun. We've been meeting a lot of great people. I've uh, been talking to a lot of great radio uh, personalities like yourself. I just had the, the pleasure of being on Coast to Coast AM. And I know that's how we connected. And uh, so I really appreciate you reaching out. And uh, yeah, anytime we get a chance to talk paranormal, I'm all for it. Sounds good. Thank you so so much for coming on. I would love to have you on again to talk more about this stuff. Absolutely. Anytime, Charlotte. That'd be great. Thank you so much. And and folks could also see my jazz quartet uh, at ericmintelquartet.com. And uh, we've got a lot of stuff on YouTube as well. But hopefully we'll come out to California one of these days. I haven't been out there yet. I've been out to Seattle. But right. we haven't been to California yet. But uh, we're, we're, I've only been doing this for 30 years. So hopefully we'll be out there soon. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Eric. Thank you and have a great evening. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys. That was fantastic. I learned a lot about the Beast of Bray Road. And I've been fascinated by that for a long, long time. And uh, I remember uh, you know reading up on the, Linda Godfrey's uh, research on that. And it's fascinating. It's spooky, but it's fascinating. And what they went through out in the field is something, you know, to hear the noises and stuff. And I don't blame him one bit for uh, calling the team off, you know, when things seem to get a little too dangerous. Uh, you know, what he felt was going to be a danger thing. You know, I had no problem with that because I, I had done that myself during investigations. Tomorrow is Casual Friday. Nancy Matz and we're going to be talking about messages from the dead. I have some personal experiences to relate. And so does Nancy. And, you know, sometimes our dead loved ones return to talk to us about certain things they're worried about. It could be your health. It could be something in your home. It could be a fight, you know, like, uh, for instance, the ghost of flight 401, right? That was, you know, when we read that book, that was something where the ghost had come back to warn about fire on the airplane or something else wrong with the airplanes. So the dead do come back to warn us about things. So we're going to be talking about that tomorrow with Nancy. Um, I want to thank everybody for coming. I really appreciate it tonight. Uh, it, um, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five people. We're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. Also, before I forget, on the 23rd at 7 p.m., I'm going to be teaching a psychic development class, a basic psychic development class, to help you um, hone psychic skill, hone your psychic skills, and you get a chance to find out if you even have psychic skills. So I'm going to teach you all kinds of stuff at that class. Visit the California Haunts Meetup page to get information about the class, and I'm also going to be posting it up on the on the on the California Haunts Radio website soon. Anyway, again, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here. And also, if you're watching from Facebook, please hit that follow button, Twitch follow button. Um, And you happen to be watching from TikTok, hit that follow button. And also on YouTube, subscribe. Please subscribe. There's a little ghost down in the bottom right-hand corner with a magnifying glass and a Sherlock Holmes hat on. That's our mascot, so please hit that button. Anyway, I appreciate you all coming. And... Uh, if you can see that ticker at the bottom, we are nonprofit. So nonprofit for us means that I own the group and I own the show and everything comes out of my pocket to finance all this. And if you guys could find it in your heart to help me out a little bit, keep things going, keep these great guests coming, I'd appreciate it. You could do that at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, there's Venmo and just type in California Haunts. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. I will see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific uh, with Nancy Matz. 
Let me get to my little page here. And I have Eric's uh, contact information so you can check out his YouTubes, which I'm going to do it too. Check out his YouTubes and check out his Facebook and website and all that good stuff. Okay, so here we go. So websites, facebook.com forward slash bucks, two capitals, P-N, and then one. And then the webpage is ericmintelquartet.com. Anyway, I will see you guys tomorrow. Have a good evening.